Hey everybody, thanks for coming to another episode of My Angular Story. Today, uh, our guest of honor is Chris Noring. Chris, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hey everybody. My name is Chris Noring. I'm an Angular GD and I'm also a creator of NG Vikings. Uh, I've written a couple of books about Angular and NGRX, so I'm here to chat with Aaron about all things Angular. Mm. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. How many books have you written? Uh, well, depends on if you count published books or um, kind of... So there's this thing called Gitbooks, like the service with Markdown and stuff. Uh-huh. If you count everything, I think it's like four books, but uh, published ones are two. So. Two. So uh-huh. two more than almost all of us. Well, and, yeah. And then four total. Yeah, yeah. So um, this, po- this podcast is about Angular, right? So the official yeah. story here is, is two books. Cause <laughs> okay. yeah. Are both of them about Angular? Uh, they are. So one is called Learning Angular, and the other one is about NGRX. So NGRX, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, books are hard, man. Yeah. Books. It's like one of the hardest things you could do on the side. Um, depends on who you are, I guess. I mean, I'm a very prolific writer, so for me, it's actually easier than videos. Um, I think it's about finding a format that kind of works for you and. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, 80% of the book writing is fun because you write a draft. 20% is, is the painful part because then comes reviewers and a lot of back and forth, right? So, so those last 20% makes you question your whole, you know, adventure into being an author. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I tried to do a book one time and I got about 70% done and then... Uh, you know how Twitter can be super not friendly sometimes. Uh huh. That that just scared me, and I uh, I couldn't write anymore. I like I hit a wall. It was weird. I, I know what you mean, and um, I, I try to be brave on a weekly basis because when I write blog posts, I tend to leave a link in Reddit, so you never know how that one's gonna pan out, right? So that's a bit like pulling a pin on a grenade and seeing what happens, right? Pretty much. Like you hope nothing explodes, but you never know. Um. So everyone, you know, most, most Angular developers are like, hey, I've been using Angular since bleh. When did mm. you start using Angular? Uh, it was a while ago. It was actually in uh, 2015. So mm. um, I started my story. It was a fun story, actually, because um, we weren't meant to use Angular at the time, but I was a consultant for an IT company, and uh, we wanted to go and do this project for this big aviation company. And... Um, 
they talked about different frameworks and we talked about Durandal and Knockout and a you know, combination of those. But uh, so, so the client actually insisted on AngularJS and we were like, Angular, what is this thing, right? So we had to study at that point. So the first thing I did was to buy a book by Brad Green, who yeah. sadly is, is leaving Google. Um, and, you know, I just plowed uh, through that thing in probably a week and, and then we were off, right? And I, I ended up working on that project firstly for like three months, just giving them a proof of concept. And then I was pulled in a few months later to finish the job. So I was kind of stuck in total at, at that client for uh, 18 months probably. So, um, yeah. Huh. Um, so you started in 2015 on AngularJS. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, and then when did you start working with Angular? Oh, you mean uh, it's just Angular, Angular or yeah, formerly yeah. known as Angular 2? Angular. Angular 2 plus, yeah. Right. Uh, that's a good question. I have to think back here. Uh, probably the first time I encountered Angular was in 2016. Uh, I think it was like in an early alpha at the time. Uh, I think I was one of the early adopters because I, I had my... Angular meetup group in, in Sweden at the time. And I kind of moved that thing over to London when I moved. Uh, but at the time, the two frameworks that were talked about was like Angular and Aurelia. I'm not sure people talk about Aurelia still, but uh, so they were very similar for, for different reasons. One of the creators kind of defected and, and built his own thing, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Angular 2 or Angular was in, in an alpha at the time. And um, we actually ended up doing an Aurelia project uh, for like three months. It wasn't a big app. And after that, I actually got to use the real Angular. Uh, and, you know, everything else is a fair tale from, from, from that point on, I would say. Hmm. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I didn't get, you got into it way before I did. Uh, I got into to the new Angular probably in like version five. Right. Maybe four. I think it was four and I had upgraded to five, but it was right on that four or five border. So. It's, um, it's interesting, right? Because one of my early um, impacts with Angular, uh, I, I had just looked at it. I had just tried out my first RxJS uh, you know, attempts and I got this GD interview, right? And the first person to talk to me was Stephen Fluin. So he wasn't an Angular um, and. Uh, team member at the time so uh, he was a gd right so that was yeah. that, that was a fun conversation to have and and you know looking back in in history it's, it's fun to see how things develop so mm -hmm. yeah I, I did not know rxjs at the time and that actually ended up being one of my free books that i i wrote on this gitbook uh, platform okay i got you um so um so so you you got in and then you ran into, you came across NGRX, it sounds like, and it, it sounds like it had a pretty meaningful impact on you. How did you come across NGRX and, and what is your kind of um, role in NGRX? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we we're t still talking 2016 when I started out with uh, NGRX and I didn't use it for a big project at first at work. Um, so I, I just started experimenting with it on, on my own. And I don't think I fully understood what part it, it played in the beginning. It was just one of those really sweet libraries that kind of accompanied the whole um, ecosystem in Angular. 
And um, so, so my role at the time was very small, but I kind of realized that this was a thing that I really liked using. And I had been using uh, Redux on, on another project with another framework. And I, I kind of liked the idea and I definitely saw different angles in where it fitted. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think from that point on, I kind of realized that, yeah, this is something I want to do. So I actually talked to a publisher, Pact, and um, yeah, they were all interested in, in me actually making a book in it. So, um, mm. and, and that's how I got really deep in, in Yorex because uh, I needed to study up, you know, patterns, uh, approaches, when it shined, when it didn't. So, huh. uh, yeah. And um, how many, do you do workshops on NGRX too? Or are you an author and like conference speaker? I know about that. Do you workshops? Uh, I do not do workshops on uh, NGRX. No, it's mostly talks and, and uh, yeah, books and, books and videos actually. I've you, already, oh, that's true. I, you did do a video course. Tell people about that. Yeah, so it actually came out a few days ago. Um, I'm still working on the last few bits, metadata with some questions and answers, but it's, it's published on the packed site. That thing covers the entire ecosystem in NGRX. So I think it's seven hours of NGRX uh, covering architecture, RxJS fundamentals. Um, mm. So, I mean, as you know, NGRX is a pretty big system. It contains a lot of things. It's not just a store. It's entities, it's um, schematic, you know, different blueprints to make you work faster. Yeah. I, I don't cover NDRX data, which, which just recently made it to NDRX, but I, I plan to update the course. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, it's a very complete course. So if people, if people want to, you know, learn more about NDRX, they can take that. They can actually get a seven-hour course online from you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I guess uh, they would, could they find out by going to your Twitter? You're tweeting about it, I'm imagining, right? I, well, as soon as I finish the questions, I'll definitely be tweeting about it and okay. I can send you a link afterwards. Okay. Yeah. So um, this won't be out for a few weeks. So probably by the time it gets out, you'll be tweeting about it. People can head over and follow you on Twitter to get updates. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Okay, cool. I was making sure that we were making some connections there, Chris. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you created, on top of some books, you created a pretty cool conference that, um, that just had its third uh, event, right? Yeah, you're, you're right. Talk so, about NG Vikings. NG Vikings. Um, we, we talked about NG Vikings at Angular Air, but I'm not sure how many people have heard the beginner story. Um, so NG Vikings was born in 2017. Um, the reason it was born, because the three of us, uh, me, Maxim, and Sherry, we met at Angular Connect. So they had this community meet at uh, one of the lunch breaks. I don't remember what day. but So the idea was to take all the different meetup organizers from Europe and Asia and US and kind of meet there. So I believe Maxim was the one who made everyone show up in the same room. And there were probably 40 or 50 people in there. So we started talking about creating a conf, right? Because we knew about ng-conf, we knew about Angular Connect, but there wasn't much else happening and we we're trying to align all the different Angular meetups over the world. So one of the things we did was to create this big Slack room that still exists where everyone who has an Angular meetup can get different help, yeah. um, you know, with resources and, and, and uh, what else. And uh, yeah, so me, Maxim and Sherry, we, at the time we lived in uh, different Scandinavian countries. I ended up moving to London 
but uh, Sherry still lives in Denmark and Maxim still lives in Norway. So we thought, we thought that we could create a Scandinavian conference. So we started playing out with different names. We thought about NG Bridge, that was a name. And the reason for that was that there's this massive bridge in between Denmark and Sweden that kind of connects them. Uh, but then we thought about it as like bridge. No one's going to know what this is about, right? So we had this poll internally in the team. So I think I was the one who said, well, Vikings, right? There's a, like a yeah. television series and that's our inheritance, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and everyone just, you know, we don't, didn't even care. We didn't even look back at NGO Bridge. So we're like, yeah, we're Vikings. Um, so, so at that point, it was important for us to be nice Vikings because uh, Vikings were kind of known for two different things, right? One being tradesmen and one being the, the part where they plundered and kind of did bad things. So it was important for us to be nice because our community experience as, as meetup organizers was, was that of being nice and being very inclusive. So one thing we did from year one was to show this really cute picture of a baby Viking and, you know, how, how harmless a Viking can be, how, how inclusive, how nice, right? So that, that's a very common theme throughout all of the three years is to make everyone feel welcome. Even though we don't mind, you know, there being the other parts with swords and spears and armors and whatnot, but that's all for fun, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's all part of the theme. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just, I've heard about it year one and I was like, wow, that looked like an awesome event. And then I heard about year two. And then, so this year I was like, yeah, I definitely got to go this year. So I got a chance to go meet your team, meet the other speakers. I felt like it was a fantastic conference. I liked the venue. I liked um, the speakers. I liked meeting your team. I liked, it, it was in Copenhagen. I liked Copenhagen. So yeah, I just had a good time. I had a really, really good time there. Mm. It's um, it's something that's very special, I think, about Angular conferences. We we often refer to ourselves as this big NG family, and and for me, that's that's really true. Every time you meet someone at the conference, speaker or attendee, everyone feels very approachable, and I think that's something that's unique with us, and and which makes it super easy to show up at any Angular themed conference, and you will feel right at home. You're being lifted into this big and warm family. I mean, even had people say that, you know, I, I could react, but I'm here for the whole community spirit because that's, that's why I'm here, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that kind of transcends tech, and I think that's a unique thing. And, and you know, with your ng-conf, I think you probably um, uh, created a bar, that, you know, for, for the rest of us to follow, right? I mean, I get the same feeling at Angular Connect, ng-conf, that I was lucky enough to actually visit this year. So that there are a lot of great events and there are a lot of great events being created. And, and I, I feel with the role model of being inclusive. And, and I think that's a really great thing about Angular and its community. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, you know, Bill, o Bill Odom, he said it. He's who I heard say it. And he said, the best, the second best thing about Angular is Angular. The first best thing is the community. And I think it's true. I, it's, it's a pretty stellar community. Um, even though the JavaScript community is, is fantastic compared to other developer circles I've been in, um, I feel like the Angular community is even, even a part inside the JavaScript community. It's a pretty fantastic community. And I, I have a lot of 
a lot of fun with, with this community. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I can only agree with what you're saying. I'm, I'm not sure I found that anywhere else. And I do agree that JavaScripters are a very awesome bunch. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what created this thing, but I'm, I'm think for sure when they were creating the whole GD program, I think they had in mind that it needed to be community heroes. I think, I believe it was you who, who wrote a very long, um, I don't know if it was tweet or blog post, yeah, talking well, about what it meant to be a GD. And for me, it was pretty clear writing that, that it, you know, the message was it's more important to be a community hero, obviously while skilled, but, you know, it, it's not enough to be skilled. You know, you, yeah. you need to look at people and community and being inclusive. And, and without that, you can't really be a GD. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with that. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash A story. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. So... This year, um, me and you got to experience something kind of new together. Oh, yeah. It was new for me. Um, kind of a colossal mistake. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was interesting. Um, so we gave, a, we gave our talk at NGConf, and we, we accidentally made some people feel threatened. And mm. uh, that, was, that was a tough time, right? Yeah, I mean, as a community leader that, you know, with my priority feeling that everyone should be inclusive and, you know, always being very nice to people, it, it was very new experience for me to experience that something I said hurt people. And, you know, when, when the message f- from my part, and I believe from your part as well, was to be self-deprecating and make fe- people feel better about themselves, you know, when the message just take a 180 of what you planned, it feels really, really weird. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, we have already talked in this podcast about how, uh, you know, I've been very involved in the NGRX ecosystem in terms of producing content and making it easy for people to, to learn it and use it. So, it, I mean, it felt like the message itself backfired. Um, I, I think there are certain things we, we could have done to ensure that that didn't happen. And it's it's easy for both you and me being very busy people organizing cons that, you know, we don't spend as much love as we would like to on our talks when we actually talk because we do that as well. And and, and I think at least from, from my perspective, I think it's important to feel like uh, there's an apology here in place from, from me. Um, and I know you've written a, a long apology, which I think has been great and well received. Um, but so, so I just wanted to underline that the message has always been about being 
self-deprecating because I personally was struggling with a redux pattern in the beginning. I was never really struggling with NDRX uh, as such. But what I did do was try to take on too much at once, but it doesn't really matter what implementation of whatever pattern you have, you will get hurt if you try to learn everything at once. And I, I think that was the message I was trying to give. Uh, one thing I want to say though, especially is that when we talk about OSS, it's very important to realize that here are some people that are mostly unpaid. It's very ungrateful work. As soon as something goes wrong with a bug, with a feature, they get blamed and, and they have a day job, right? I mean, they're like heroes without capes, you know, in my book. Of course, there are different ways to support them uh, through GitHub, but sometimes a thank you on Twitter or whatever platform you choose goes a very long way. And, and this is my opportunity to say thank you to them. But I also think you who listen to this podcast could do the same. You could say thank you to people of NURX or whatever library that you are using daily. I think it goes a long way because sometimes they get a lot of heat or more often than sometimes. Um, so yeah, th this is my chance to say, I'm sorry for the way the message landed. Uh, it was about being self-deprecating. It was about feel making developers feel better about themselves when they struggle. It was never about the implementation of a certain framework. And if anything, OSS people are some of the best people I know. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. Um, when, uh, you know, I think most people, most people who heard our talk, they didn't even hear what, what, what wrong. Most people, they were like, wait, what, there was a problem. But, um, there's a group of people who did see it and, um, it's important that everyone who saw it understands, Hey, we're really sorry. That was totally unintentional. Um, mm. if you could, if you could see into Chris's heart and my heart when it comes to Rob Wormall, Mike Ryan, Brandon Roberts, people would just be like, yeah, um, they would, they would know. Yeah. We love them. Um, I don't know what else to say besides they're three of my favorite people. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I fully agree. I mean, they've been so welcoming in when I've been raising PR for the docs because I believe it's important to be part of the solution when it comes to, you know, NURX or whatever OSS framework that you try to improve. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, super welcoming bunch. I must admit I didn't know them as well, but as soon as I started working with them on, on different GitHub issues, super group. Um, I got a chance to meet them in person, some of them at NG Vikings. I wish they were all there um, so they could see, you know, we are a family and as family members, you do mistakes. And I think it's important to recognize that, that you do a mistake. And I agree with your assessment there, Aaron, that some people recognize the errors in our ways. Um, some people just heard the message and nothing else. Um, so, so I want to say that it's important to realize that what we're talking about now is not the message. It's always okay to talk about self-deprecation, about struggles to learn, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. It's how you deliver. It's, it's really, really important to realize in what context you are delivering and in what role you have as a community leader. That when you talk in front of a big crowd of people, that you're very, very careful. Because what you can say to five to ten people 
you know, openly and discuss back and forth. It's another thing to just broadcast yeah. like we did. And, and, and I think that's where it goes wrong uh, or can go wrong. And I, I'll take it even a little further. I think it's okay and healthy even to, if you don't like a technology to say that, I think it's okay to say, I don't like um, Redux. Uh, I don't think it's okay to say I don't like the people who created Redux. And and so if you if you if you have a problem with an idea, I think it's okay. If you have a problem with a person, that's what's not okay. And and um, what people heard me and you saying, even though it was very far from 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 our message, and it just points out how horribly we delivered. What people heard was we we were angry. And we didn't like people, like specific people. And so um, a lot of people in, as they read my blog, they're like, hey, it's okay to question mm. a pattern. It's okay to question the direction of a community or it's okay to have those questions and to say, I don't, I don't agree. And I agree with that. And that was largely a lot of the feedback I got. I agree. Totally. We, we should not be shutting down people's opinions. You should be able to say, I don't like something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, we, but the problem was is that it was interpreted as me and you saying, hey, we don't like Rob or Mike and Brandon. And um, which, A, couldn't be further from the truth. But B, if that is what we were saying, that would be a horrible, horrible thing to say. And Which is why I totally acquiesced when I heard what people thought we said. And I was, I felt horrible immediately. I didn't even try and defend it because I was like, it doesn't matter what I meant to say. What matters is what people heard and they heard something really bad. So I just feel horrible, you know? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent agree. I mean, on, on, on the same page as well. Uh, what I think is important to realize is that uh, what we were trying to say, because we did have a slide about community leaders with guidance and I think it's important we try to make what the message of that one was was meant to be because the way it was presented was in no way you know the way it was interpreted by most people so what I wanted to say about community leaders is that it's hard being you right and it's hard being you especially if you're an OSS community leader uh, how to communicate in the right way and that means that you don't have the time you would like to to express yourself on Twitter or a blog post or whatever it is and I just wanted to emphasize that it's not the community leader's job to always um, do this kind of communication. You can be part of that solution. So if you feel like your community OSS leader isn't saying what you would like them to say, you can actually say, hey, you know, why don't I volunteer to write a blog post or raise a PR against docs that would give that guidance that you feel is missing. There's nothing stopping you from being part of the solution. Yeah, at all. Um... So, uh, bro, you, you're at Microsoft. You're kind of a, you're kind of a big deal. You're DevRel at Microsoft. And that means you travel a lot and you, you're at a lot of big events. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been a few since I started. Uh, when did you start at Microsoft? Uh, October last year. Um, so yeah, I've been on a tour. Uh, it felt like a global tour. Yeah, we've been doing something called Microsoft Ignite the Tour, 
And yeah. the idea behind it was to uh, uh, make sure that we delivered knowledge about uh, different problems and how to solve them. So I think this, this tour was a little bit different because we're able to focus on problem more than here's a new feature. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it was delivered by a lot of CDAs like me or cloud developer advocates. So um, all in all, we, I think we had a really great response at every site that we, we appeared at. And um, yeah, I, I felt like they were uh, truly happy to see us. So, and obviously there's always a perk to being able to be the speaker that gets to, you know, fly around to, to different locations. And so, yeah, I, I definitely see my role of, you know, being this developer enabler, that that's what I feel like cloud advocate is or an advocate. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to realize that part of my job is to make the products better at, at you know, where I work. But that means I need, I need to talk to a lot of people. So it's not just about writing blog posts. You actually need to get out there, which kind of aligns with what I've been doing with Angular and, and you know, different meetups and, and conferences. So it's, it's kind of nice to see how things finally uh, kind of aligning for me. And, and I think a lot of my colleagues feel the same. They keep on doing the job they've always done, you know, after 5 p.m. So it's, it's, it's really great to see people just, you know, living up and, and start shining because usually when you're um, when you think about devrel you you've spent a lot of years being a developer and you kind of feel like but what about all this other fun that i would you know really like to do you know can i do that in my job as a developer or do i need to change my my role right mm-hmm. uh so yeah it, it's a very nice um transition for me but it's a very different thing too because you got a home office and you need to work out how that works and you know, you need to set boundaries because it's, it's so easy when you get to work with your passion that you work all the time. So, so um, you know, starting in October, that means I had uh, seven months plus to do actually figure out how, how that works, but I can say I'm still working on that, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's super fun gig. So. Well, that's cool, man. Um, you, where, where's your next talk at? It's in uh, Florida, um, oh, so right. Dev Intersection. Cool. So what are you talking about? I am talking about Angular schematics being one of the topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually had a very nice uh, talk with Michael Prentice about schematics. I think it was at IndieCon. So okay. we talked about different things and the fact that schematics documentation have landed in the official Angular docs. So, And that's pretty cool. Which, which means they're putting a lot of effort behind it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm talking about that, but I'm also talking about um, GraphQL. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in the full stack. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about GraphQL and, and microservices and how you can use the two texts to, to combine them and make a nice GraphQL API and also how to host it in the cloud. And I believe I'm also talking about cognitive services, which are... Uh, Microsoft's offering when it comes to AI services and how you can use those and create really important applications. I, I usually say important over fun because um, if you realize all the AI services you could use today, you realize how they can benefit other people. If you use, for example, image recognition, imagine using that in a after catastrophe have, have happened and, and you try to identify what's a static object and what's actually a person. If you have an algorithm like that and you manage to feed that to a video camera, mount that on a, on a helicopter, you're able to find people and save people. 
So some of these technologies can be used for bad purposes, but that's true for every kind of tech that you have. But if you, if you look at it, a lot of these AI technologies, they kind of make, um, make your apps really cool, but it also makes it possible to create things that wasn't possible before. So I'm actually very excited about cognitive services uh, from that aspect that there are so many cool things you could do with, um, you know, for example, language. You can uh, translate that in real time and have it transcribed. You can help people that, that uh, can't hear, for example. So you turn like audio into text. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of cool services that I'm really happy to uh, be, be, be talking about. So. Hmm. Well, cool, man. Um, if anyone has any questions for you, they want to talk to you about your video course or your conference stocks, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, so that's Chris underscore Noring, N-O-R-I-N-G. Okay. Cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on the podcast and, um, appreciate all the hard work that you do for the community. Um, and uh, thank you so much, Sharon. It was a pleasure being on the podcast and, and I think it was great that I got a few minutes uh, for us both to, to sort out the, uh, especially the NDConf, um, uh, incident. I think that's a good name for it. And, you know, I think it was important that we got out that, you know, we were trying to say what we were trying to say out of love and, and nothing else. But, you know, sometimes things don't land the way you want. And uh, I think it's a good lesson for both of us in terms of, you know, um, when you're too busy with other stuff, then maybe you should do something else than doing a talk if you're not sure that you can deliver it the way that you intend. So, yeah, 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 definitely. I agree. All right, man. Um, everybody, reach out to Chris with questions and. Other than that, we'll see you next time on My Angular Story. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.